they did a video, iOS 15 settings you should turn off and iOS 15 settings you should turn on. So there's only one word difference. The thumbnails are really similar. iOS 15 settings that you should turn on got like 700,000 views. And that did really well for the channel. They averaged like, I don't know, 100,000 or 200,000 or something. So 700,000 views for iOS 15 settings you should turn on did great. But iOS 15 settings that you should turn off got 7 million views. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My guest today, Jake Thomas, is the founder of Creator Hooks and one of the world's leading experts on writing YouTube titles. Now, if that sounds a little too niche for you, hang on just a second. His principles for writing a good title are helpful for anyone that does any type of copywriting, and that is an essential part of building any business. He also gets into the details of how being so niche creates so many specific opportunities for him. I see this being applied to so many different industries. Finally, we end with a little bit of brainstorming about how to continue to grow his business, which is still very young. I had a lot of fun in this conversation. I took a lot away from it. I know that you will as well. Here is Jake Thomas. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for having me. So this is really interesting. Um, I, I think anyone who's spent any time paying attention to business long enough knows the phrase, there's riches in the niches. You've got a relatively distinct niche that you have planted your flag in with Creator Hooks. Uh, can you just kick things off by telling people this specific expertise that you've cultivated and how you express that as an actual business? Yeah. So my niche is writing YouTube titles for education and story channels. Uh, No gaming channels, no entertainment, no lifestyle channels, just education and story channels. And choosing like a very, very specific niche has been incredible for me. Um, I've uh, been seeing like a lot of good success recently and I've had a ton of business failures in the past, but just picking one single thing and trying to become the best in the world at it has really attracted like just some crazy people that I never thought that I would be working with. Um, people are asking me for their help, and they've got like you know 10 million subscribers. When I first just got started, uh, just got started, and I was like, "Why are you asking me?" And they're like, "There's nobody else who is uh, focusing on YouTube titles like you are." Uh, so yeah, just like picking one small niche and trying to be the best in the world at it has gotten me uh, gotten me pretty far, and I'm super excited about it. And in hindsight, as I look back, I wish I had done a better job of niching down when I was starting my business. But in hi- like what I've what I've come to the realization when I see a business like yours, I really see it's like this this uh, duality of courage and humility. It takes a courage to really hone in on a, a niche that seems small at first glance. And simultaneously humility to say, hey, I'm not going to be like everything to all people. I need to be a specific solution to a specific type of person. And I'll actually do a better job when I define that more narrowly. Yeah. So I quit my job last summer and I told my wife like, hey, I'm going to quit and I'm going to focus on writing better YouTube titles. And she was just like, "Uh, okay, honey, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) She She had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. 
Uh, I definitely didn't expect to be where I'm at now. I'm um, doing some consulting, newsletter is growing. Um, and uh, just, I had my first speaking opportunity uh, last month. So definitely didn't expect that. But uh, but you're right, it does take a little bit of courage and um, just saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do and we'll figure out what happens. So let's talk a little bit tangibly about what impact this can have. So when titles are optimized, what kind of results get driven? What kind of outcomes occur? Because one of the reasons people might shy away from it or not think it's a viable opportunity is they don't realize how big the opportunity on YouTube is, the opportunity for YouTube optimization is. Just paint a little bit of a clear picture of that. Yeah. So just like one real small tangible example, uh, one of my clients, they have a really, there's in the, they were in the real estate um, uh, industry and they had a really busy CEO, but he was really good. So we couldn't really get any of, uh, get, couldn't get him to create any new content. So we were just pulling old content from like podcasts and talks that he's been on. And by just changing the title and coming up with better titles, we doubled or sometimes like five X uh, how many views they were getting on average. So, and we didn't do anything special. We didn't do anything with the content. Uh, all we tweaked the thumbnails a little bit to have some kind of different copy, some some better better copy. And all we did was tweak the thumbnails, and we started getting a lot more views. So, you know, the the title is one of the first things that people see when they see your channel, um, especially with uh, with educational channels. Like sometimes it's hard to 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 show you know, what you're trying to teach in an image, you know, with an, uh, an entertainment channel, like you can show some like crazy, like story, but with education, sometimes like the title is all they have. So if you want people to click, the title is one of the first things that they're going to see. And that's how they're going to decide, yes, I'm going to watch this video or no, I'm not. So it's a super powerful thing to be able, uh, to, you know, drive millions of views and hundreds of thousands of dollars just with like five to 10 words. And the two metrics that really matter on YouTube are click-through rate and average view duration. Average view duration is basically how YouTube assesses, do people actually like this video? Do they watch into the video or do they immediately say, eh, this ain't for me and click away? But before that can even occur, someone has to see from a lineup of tiles on the YouTube dashboard or in their app, a couple of videos that might meet their needs, whether that's you know a, a recommendation from the feed or a specific search result. And someone has to say, that's the one I want to try. That's the one I want to go for. And you know the, the, the way that I've, we focused more on thumbnails at my company um, just to try and you know stop making some kind of really obvious unforced errors. But the refrain that I kept saying to my team was, this is our movie poster. We were taking either a screenshot from like the middle of the video or not putting that much work into it. And it's like, you know, maybe, maybe not these days, but, but back when, you know, the movies were the place to go, particularly when I was a teenager, like you'd see the next Fast and the Furious movie and it was, uh, you know, Vin Diesel and, and The Rock covered in baby oil, like ready to blow some car off a, a mountain or something. And you're like, dang, I got to see that movie. And I know that's more of the entertainment genre you're talking about education, but it's a similar idea where if you aren't investing into one of the first impressions that you can make with this piece of media, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm going to take it kind of one step further. So you said average view duration really matters for YouTube, but so does just like session time. So somebody spending time on someone's channel. So if you're at the end of your video, if you're sending them to another video and you know, with your end screen saying, Hey, watch this video next. If you've got a really good title for that video, if you can explain that video in like one sentence, 
really well, then they're going to click. Um, and so I've recently, I have kind of like a dog uh, YouTube channel that's kind of like my sandbox channel. And since I've been writing better titles and coming up with better ideas, my uh, end screen click through rate has jumped from 7% to like about 15% uh, up to like 18% on some of my videos. And that's because I just have a string of great titles. So someone is just going from video to video. Uh, people comment on my, on my videos all the time, man, I just binged your whole channel. I just watched everything. Um, and YouTube loves that. And, uh, so that's how you can grow your channel. If, if every single one of your videos, people really want to watch them. And so what are some of these actual things folks can do to improve the title of a, of a YouTube video? The simplest thing is to just think of the three emotions that make people click. So fear, desire, and curiosity. And usually that's uh, curiosity plus fear or curiosity plus desire. Um, if you can only think about kind of those three emotions and like when you have a title or even when like you're coming up with an idea, thinking about, all right, am I, uh, am I per, uh, calling out to one of these emotions? If I'm not, then maybe you need to kind of re, you know, redesign your title or come up with a new idea. Uh, but the simplest way is just think about those three emotions. And what about like the actual video production process itself? Where should the YouTube title writing portion of the process fall in the overall arc? Because it's also one of those things where if someone's coming to it the first time, they think about the video, they think about the shot that they want, and they might not necessarily yet be thinking about what the title is going to be. That could be like the last thing as you're uploading that you start to write. Yeah, that's like, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is not really approaching their idea with what is going to make people click. So the title makes a promise said, hey, if you watch this video, this is what's going to happen, or this is what you're going to learn, or this is what you're going to get out of it. And if you don't start with that promise, like that, you know, you're promising something that people want, then they're not going to click. So the easiest way is to just think about, okay, what do, what does my audience want? You know, what, what promise can I make them that they're going to say, oh my gosh, I have to click this right now. If you do that, then everything is going to be so much easier like your average view duration is going to be higher because people actually want to watch the video. You know, you're not going to have to say, all right, like, and subscribe because people are going to watch, want to watch your video. They're going to want more of it. So they're going to like, and subscribe. You know, if you're selling products, they're, they're going to, you know, kind of fall in love with you because it's a great idea. So everything starts with the idea. Uh, with a couple of my clients, I do write the title from, and the video is already created and that's a lot harder. So it'll make everything easier if you just come up with a good idea from the start uh, based off of what people want to click, which kind of goes back to the three emotions, fear, uh, curiosity, and desire. Is there one of those that's easier or more reliable or you find yourself falling back to? Um, not easier or more reliable. I've found that some of the best titles are fear and curiosity. And you know, if you think about like what is kind of happening like in news and like what's going viral, a lot of it is fear. And like, definitely don't want to be a fear monger. Definitely don't want to be like, you know, clickbaity and, you know, all negativity. And a lot of people say like, oh, my channel is all about positivity. Um, you know, I don't want to make this all about fear. But if you're talking about like mistakes and warnings and regrets, uh, those are kind of good ways to use fear without being a fear monger. Like you can talk about, you know, I regret doing this or, you know, the biggest mistake I made in doing this. You're not putting, you know, you're sharing your 
your mistakes or your or your regrets. And people are scared of making those mistakes or they're scared of living a life with regrets. So they're going to be, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to watch this. I got to see what happens. And we're also, we're like, um, you know, biologically uh, prone to watch videos with fear. So like pretend that, you know, you and I are in the stone age and we're sitting on our little cave and I'm like, hey, Aaron, there's some berries outside. You should go pick them. You might be like, all right, cool. Yeah, like I'll, I'll pick them. Like, you know, maybe it doesn't matter, but you don't really care too much. But if I say, hey, Aaron, there's a saber-toothed tiger outside, then you know for sure that you're going to listen to me and you're not going to go outside because it's a matter of life or death. So, you know, we've evolved to listen to warnings. So if you give a warning in your title, people are going to, they're going to want to listen for sure um, because, because we've been taught that for the last, you know, 10,000 years or so. And another way that I think about that, so I agree that you don't want to turn into like the news and if it bleeds, it leads and, you know, all these kind of um, negative uh, expressions of, of that kind of sentiment. But I think I've thought a lot about in any facet of my life when I'm trying to improve, sometimes it's how do I, you know, become the greatest or pursue, you know, 99th percentile performance in some area. And sometimes it's how do I just eliminate as many of the mistakes that I'm making as possible. It's not that I'm eating every superfood. It's more I stopped eating cookies late at night or brownies for lunch or something, right? Like that's partially the, the removal of error um, as a, as a style of content, which is, Hey, you know, here are some things that you can eliminate to live a better life. Or, you know, maybe you can want to critique that, but that's like kind of a framing where it's still about, you know, these things that you can eliminate or get rid of or avoid and not necessarily be, you know, drowning in negativity. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of moving away from pain. And one of my favorite examples is from the YouTube channel, pay it forward. And when, uh, when like a new iPhone or a new, um, iOS comes out, they always make videos about settings and they did a video, iOS 15 settings, you should turn off and iOS 15 settings, you should turn on. So there's only one word difference. The thumbnails are really similar. iOS 15 settings that you should turn on got like 700,000 views. And that did really well for the channel. They averaged like, I don't know, 100,000 or 200,000 or something. So 700,000 views for iOS 15 settings you should turn on did great. But iOS 15 settings that you should turn off got 7 million views. So, uh, you know, that's like 10 times more. Uh, if you're only looking at um, making money through AdSense, that's 6 million views. So assuming an RPM uh, of uh, $4, that's like $24,000 uh, for one word. So that's, wow. that's, that's, a, that's a very powerful word. Um, that's a, you know, just one way of looking at moving towards pain or towards pleasure. So like, you know, settings turn on or moving away from pain, settings that turn off, moving away from pain uh, often performs better than moving towards pleasure. So this is a kind of more nuanced point here with YouTube, but one of the things that we'll say to our clients is, you know, YouTube is the world's second largest search engine. And so if you're like paying for SEO, you're, you're thinking about, you know, being a result on Google and you're not thinking about being a result on YouTube, that's kind of, you know, missing just another self-evident uh, realm of marketing. However, the, the words that might uh, position or the, create the metadata that suggests a video is a good search result might not necessarily be the same as a title that inspires click-through rate. So when you're working with someone who's kind of uh, trying to you know, feed both of these beasts, so to speak, how do you think about that? I, I, you know, the example that you just said of uh, iPhone setting, uh, 
iOS settings to turn on, iOS settings to turn off. It, it kind of threads the needle for both of those. But when you have that tension, how are you thinking about managing that? Yeah, it's a good question. And I mean, just talking about search. So I know that like Google prefers like more positivity. And, you know, if you're talking about search here, then yeah, like maybe you do want to go to more positive, uh, kind of a more positive title. So an easy way or a couple easy ways to rank in search is to, um, to talk about beginners. So let's just say that we're going to, we want to rank for how to start a YouTube channel. So we might say how to start a YouTube channel for beginners. Uh, when you call out beginners, like you're calling out a specific audience and that's going to kind of encourage people to click and to watch your videos. Like, man, you know, this is for me. I'm, I'm starting a YouTube channel. So you can say how to start a YouTube channel for channel for beginners. That also puts like the keyword up front. So people immediately see, okay, this video is about what I want to watch. You can also add a time frame. So like how to, how to start a YouTube channel in, uh, in one hour. So someone might think, man, you know, that's gonna, it's gonna take a long time. Uh, you know, I don't really have time to start a YouTube channel right now, but I'm just kind of browsing. But if you have that, you know, in just one hour, that's it that kind of takes away that objection. Like, oh, I can start this now. And also feels a little bit more tangible if you have a time frame on it. Um, and then you can also talk about, uh, make it timely. So talk about what's happening right now. So YouTube channel is, or YouTube is always changing. So you can say, how to start a YouTube channel in 2022, you know, saying, all right, this is what is happening right now. And if you look for product reviews or like how to's like technical how to's, usually they'll have the current year uh, at the end of the title. So that just seems to be what either one people want to click on or two YouTube wants to wants to surface first because that's what's working now. So so yeah, a couple different ways to rank and search like we just talked about beginner tips, make it timely. So talk usually the current year um, or add like a time frame. And you can also kind of combine those. So like how to start a YouTube channel as a complete beginner in 2022 or how to start a YouTube channel in under an hour uh, as a complete beginner or in under an hour in 2022. So those are a couple of different ways to just kind of add a twist to make people want to click. And But you're also, uh, you're kind of serving both the person and the, the, the search and the search engine by putting the keyword up front. I love it. This is one of those things where, you know, someone who might be actually spending their time for that specific search or, you know, just even some, you know, how to change my oil, how to just do the, some basic functions that YouTube is this amazing educational resource for. It's so, I, I just love the notion that there's these people who are thinking for hours about the right way to put that bit of copy and are, you know, AB testing it to figure out what is the optimal way to get that marginal click. But on the flip side, someone is just going the path of least resistance and they're not even maybe consciously processing it. And that's where you're trying to reach them. They're just, Hey, that looks like it's the right solution. Go boom. And I'm trying to get my answer to my question, but there's a real business underneath that. Yeah. And, and what, a couple of things I just mentioned, like, you know, timeframes, make it timely or call it beginners. Just think about what is uh, most relevant for your, for your audience. You know, if you're thinking about how to start a YouTube channel, like, yes, you are a beginner if you're looking to start a YouTube channel. So you probably should, uh, you probably should put that in there. You know, if you were saying, you know, best, uh, um, you know, how to, or, uh, you know, best computers for, um, for graphic designers, you probably wouldn't say for beginners because uh, if I'm a graphic designer and I'm looking for to spend a couple thousand dollars on a new computer, chances are I'm not a beginner. So I might say best computers for graphic designers in 2022. Or even, you know, you can also refute an objection 
uh, you know, best computers for graphic designers under $2,000. So an objection I might have in this case would be, uh, man, I'd love to get a computer that's better for, you know, my graphic design career, but you know, I don't want to spend all that much money. So best computers for graphic designers under $2,000 kind of refutes that objection right there. And lets you say, Oh, like, man, this video is for me. Um, you know, I didn't want to spend a lot and this is calling, this is, you know, this video was made specifically for me. Right on. So I want to talk a little bit about this specific skill set that you've built, because another thing I was just reflecting on, like, you know, riches in the niches, why so many people need to hear that, fail to hear it, is at least I'm speaking mostly from my own experience. I always had this perception that, yeah, there's certain people who can like own some niche because they've been in it for 20 years and they've been, you know, making the same uh, type of horseshoe since they were you know, teenagers and they just have it, you know, embedded into their DNA. Or there's people who just have this like braggadocious audacity and they don't actually have the like capabilities and experience and skill set to back it up, but they just, you know, put on the cap and pretend like it's there. You clearly don't occupy either of those spaces. You've thread the needle between those two. Um, can you just convey to people how you developed the skill about how long it took to the point where not just you felt comfortable selling it, that's one piece of it, but you're working for people, you're consulting with people and delivering results. Yeah, so a couple of things. So one, I, I worked for Fishing Channel. Um, I was the editor-in-chief there. Wrote like 4,000 titles between blog posts, YouTube titles, and email subject lines in like two and a half years. So I got a ton of reps in. Uh, I started off really, really bad. I actually almost got fired because I was so bad at writing, uh, at writing titles, uh, specifically email subject lines. My boss was like, no one is going to open this email and our business is going to fail if you don't get better at you know getting people's attention and getting them to click, uh, which is really what we're talking about here. Um, so, so yeah, I started off really bad, got 4,000 reps in, I got better, but I really started um, like really taking my game to the next level when I started my newsletter. And, you know, a lot of people talk about building in public, but the newsletter is really about like learning in public. <clears throat> so all the newsletter does is looks at uh, five videos that really crushed it for a channel. Um, I'm looking for outliers here. So like, let's say that um, a channel averages 10,000 views, but like uh, one of their videos got 100,000 views. So boom, that's an outlier. Like, you know, why did it work? So I just looked at five uh, every day for like the past year and really like kind of more than five, like kind of between, um, uh, you know, between newsletter editions. But I really just started learning in public and I started noticing patterns for what had worked, um, you know, across all these outliers. And then, you know, kind of combining my reps with studying what has worked, then I really started to get a good... Un started to get a good understanding of what actually makes people click and uh, you know what actually gets people attention. So, you know, I definitely could not have done this, um, you know, two years ago or one year ago when, you know, before I started studying this a lot, um, I look at like 200 YouTube channels a week, uh, just, just looking at their titles and trying to see outliers and trying to understand why they worked. So yeah, I think learning and like a lot of people talk about building in public, which I just mentioned, but I don't think a lot of people talking about learning in public and maybe there's, you know, you kind of obviously, you know, learn when you build, but just by analyzing, uh, what has worked every week, um, that's helped me get a lot better really fast. Two things jump out to me there. Number one, you were working underneath uh, a boss for two and a half years that not only had you, by my calculation, doing like eight titles a day. So that's a really high work rate with someone with kind of more experience, more perspective, you know, helping you not just 
kind of flail around in the dark by yourself. And then concurrently, when you learn in public in whatever domain it is, and our, our literally our, our most recent guest, Adam Harriton, is a quintessential example of this, where he was doing uh, like nutrition and foraging uh, associated content, where once he started to become an authority where people were paying attention to him learn in public, he had this self-reinforcing thing where he was starting to be compensated for this learning that he was doing, which gives him more time, more capabilities, more resources to learn. And that extends his advantage on the overall market, which is certainly not paying as much attention to his domain as anyone else. So his insights get proportionally more valuable as more time gets on. And that's like one of those things that you don't, you don't necessarily experience in the early stages of starting something and you don't appreciate once you're actually in it, oh, I can really extend a gap here and just be a massive resource to a majority of the folks that I come into contact with. You you, you defined yourself relatively narrowly because you're still only, you know, what, what is it, a year or so into this specific business, but maybe, you know, five, four or five net years into this kind of domain. Imagine what that's going to be in three, four or five years from now, the, the broadness with which you're going to feel like you can uh, really impact a YouTube, YouTube channel that you work with. Yeah. And then another thing, um, so TubeBuddy just makes it really easy. They have an A-B testing tool. And at this point, I've run hundreds of A-B tests. And that has really helped me learn. And kind of, you know, like you said, like I have now the resources to run these tests. I got hired by uh, by a company to only run these tests. That's all I do for them. Uh, so that's helped me learn so much faster, learn you know, what actually moves the needle uh, between, you know, a a new title that makes a difference or a new title that is just kind of the same. So, so yeah. And then also having access to people who are better than me. Yes. My, you know, my boss starting out was good. And, but now, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to reach out or talk to channels that I really look up to and I've asked them, Hey, like, what do you do that, uh, you know, that makes you guys different because you guys, I love your titles. Like what's your process. So I've just been able to learn from uh, people who, have been doing this longer for me and are a lot better than me. And that's, like you said, just accelerated my growth. Totally. Can you talk more about the A-B testing? That's like one of those things where there's certain practitioners where that's just like, you know, taking a walk or something that's second nature. And then to an entire other demographic of you know, marketers or spying marketers or just business people in general, where they'd love to kind of have that in their tool, but they don't necessarily know how to go about doing it in an effective way. Yeah. So with YouTube and TubeBuddy specifically, um, so when you first publish a video, YouTube will push it out to all your subscribers and people who have watched your channel recently and you know other people who they think might like the video. So you don't want to, at least I don't like to, I don't like to run a test so quickly because you're kind of getting an unfair advantage in the beginning. So if you're running an A-B test when you first, uh, when you first publish a video, you're kind of muddying that unfair advantage and you're muddying the A-B test. So I'll wait five days or a week even I'll, I'll even run an A-B test like months after a video is published. And you, uh, what TubeBuddy does is they flip the, they change the title every 24 hours. So you run it for 14 days and, um, and you'll see like, all right, you know, this got a higher click through rate and TubeBuddy will also tell you like the, um, the retention and where they got their views, like in search or, you know, on the homepage or whatever. So yeah. So just wait, wait a couple of days, wait until that kind of initial push is gone. And then if it's, doing okay or you know not doing as well as you thought it would then test one element at a time test either the thumbnail or the title uh, you know don't test them both and as far as like what I've found that like has worked well for um, for uh, a B test with TubeBuddy is actually changing the angle 
of the title. So there are a couple of titles that I've tested where the original title was, it had a good angle, but it was kind of poorly worded. So I changed the wording a little bit, but it was the same angle. And that usually doesn't bring as much of a change as I thought it would. You know, here I am coming in. I'm like, all right, I'm good at writing titles. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good copywriter. Um, you know, uh, you know, I feel like I'm a good wordsmith. Whatever. Let me word this better. But it turns out, uh, you know, at least so far in my in my experience, that that just changing, like, you know, writing better words to kind of say the same thing doesn't always make that big of a difference. Sometimes it might make like a two or five percent difference. But the biggest, you know, the biggest changes really come from a totally different angle. Uh, we talked about fear earlier. Usually I'll change like a neutral title to having more fear in there. That'll often do well. And just really trying to think, okay, like, can I make this? Can I have a broader angle? Like, can I have a more, you know, direct and specific angle? Uh, though That's been the the biggest game changers for me uh, or the biggest gains, you know, increase in the click-through rate for a title. The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. So another thing that's just interesting with copywriting in general is to sell this service, you know, there's always the like the, the cost-based model for pricing and the value-based model for pricing, right? And that's a that's a consistent issue that I'm sure you're still working through as someone who's relatively young in, in running this business. How have you thought about positioning that for the clients that you bring on so that they understand and are excited about the value that you provide? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I'm still uh, still trying to figure that out. Uh, when I first started this, I said I would not be a consultant. Um, I want to have my own products and I've never like pitched somebody my services. Uh, you know, people have come to me and like said, Hey, you're the only one who specializes in writing YouTube titles. Will you please help us? Uh, and that's been awesome. Kind of like going back to what we talked about earlier is just being the only one who does, you know, one specific thing has, has really been like this key to my success recently. But, um, but yeah, I don't, not really sure. I've been kind of uh, going back and forth recently. It's been a, um, uh, it's been just like, kind of like an hourly rate almost, and it's a little tough because there are so many factors that goes into, uh, that go into what makes a YouTube video successful. Um, yes, the title, but also like the the thumbnail, the actual content, just the like the channel in general, uh, the actual idea. Um, so yeah, there's so much going into it. So I'm, I'm having a, a little bit of a hard time pricing, uh, my services and I'm actually trying to get out of consulting. I'm trying to create my own products. I'm trying to create like a database, a uh, title generator, and maybe like a little bit of a so course. Would that almost be like a competitor to TubeBuddy or would it be different? No, it would be definitely, definitely not a competitor to TubeBuddy. Um, I think it'd be different. It's just like, it's pretty much like a swipe file. So, you know, uh, when I'm writing a title, I just look at what has worked in the past. That's the easiest way for me to like, kind of get, uh, get my mind and like, all right, you know, this is, this is how you write curiosity. This is how you build fear. You know, this is how you, uh, position desire. So that kind of gets me the right mind, mind frame. And you can also just look at like what, titles have worked in the past and just like straight up model those, but just add a little twist for 
your uh, for your channel. So I think a database of like of of good titles that have worked in the past will save people a bunch of time. Uh, like I said, I look at 200 video or 200 channels a week. If I can just give you this in like uh, 10 minutes a week, uh, I think people pay for that just because you know these are proven videos, and um, you know you can also I can also point out the the reasons why and the patterns of 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 what's working here in the database. Yeah, it would be really interesting because I've you know you may have run across this too, but they'll do interviews with like, you know, Mr. Uh, Beast's manager, whose name is escaping me at the moment, or some of these other folks that are like in the creator economy, they spend all their time thinking about YouTube and TikTok and some of these other platforms. And they'll talk about the value that they place on thumbnails and titles, because it is one of the like only two metrics that they really care about. And how hard that is to scale, how hard that is to pass off, and how excited they would be to hire someone. So to me, there's almost like, there's a couple of pathways where a course would be super helpful to someone who's trying to break in there. But if you could almost be the person who uh, like co-signs someone as being skilled with the title, I don't know exactly how that all fits together, but this like, could they take the course or could you have these like five people that you're training under your tutelage to scale yourself a little bit and potentially like, oh, this is someone like from the creator hooks universe who's now our title writer would feel like I would feel at ease. I would feel excited about that. And, you know, there's all different ways with, whether it's a finder's fee or, you know, an agency that you're trying to scale that could be exhausting as someone who's running an agency. I can tell you that that's not necessarily where I'd push you to go. <laughs> um, but it's a really interesting problem, right? Because it's like you're selling words and there's going to be people who do not get the value of that at all. And yet for someone like me, I can, I can tell you the difference from the back end of like this video with this click-through rate is just changing our inbound, changing the trajectory of our business. And then we have these other ones that are duds where it's like, I would love to have someone who is like giving more of their brain power to it because I'm trying to do eight other things. I, you know, I have a very limited window where, where I can oversee something like that. Dude, yeah, we talked about like how like narrow it's like, yes, only YouTube titles. But here we are, we're talking about so many different options of of how to monetize this. And it's crazy. Like I was listening to Russell Brunson's podcast this morning and he was talking about his um his uh, certification program. And like, yeah, like you yeah. just said that you could have like a creator hook certification. Um, I was at a kind of a mastermind last week and I was asking people, hey, like, you know, what do you think that I should offer as a product? Should I do a course or should I do a database and a title generator? And every single hand in the room said, give me a database. Do it for me. Uh, I don't want to spend the time to learn. I just want to save a lot of time and just like look at what works or like plug in some keywords and have something, uh, you know, spit out uh, a, t a couple of ideas for me. So yeah, a ton of different options. And Or I could just go like, I have a newsletter closing in on 5,000 subscribers now. So I can start to put ads on there or do affiliate marketing and like just forget about everything. Just kind of live the uh, live the easy life. Definitely not the most profitable, but you know, so many options. Yeah, I like the boot camp idea. I'm, and maybe I'm just, uh, I don't know, a contrarian for contrarian's sake. But like if I think about all the people that are trying to run YouTube channels and they all have like you from three years ago. Like, so if your boss was trying to just ramp your education to the max, what if he could have just sent you to the Creator Hooks Bootcamp for one day where you're going to like be taken through some workshops, like actually hear you talk through this stuff and then actually get to like experiment with it and maybe like interact with the database. So you're almost like long selling the database, 
but like having that workshop as like the hand to hand kind of selling and skill building, that would be a really interesting union of the two. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, um, like that's one of the main drivers of this was that I was, I was so frustrated that nobody really talks about how to write good titles. Like what is it that actually gets someone's attention? What is it that actually makes people click? Nobody was talking about that. And my boss, like he was really good himself, but he couldn't articulate to me how to write a good title. So he couldn't help me that much. So, so yeah, that's like, that was, that's a huge driver of the newsletter. It's like, Hey, this is what makes people click. This is how you get someone's attention. Um, so really just kind of like saving my old self. Totally. So in that newsletter, you do the five thumbnails, you give them a score. Is there an out, like what is, what is creating that score for the newsletter for each title? Yeah. Yeah. So I have the hook score and the hook score is just like a way for us to compare apples to apples. So if we're just, if we're analyzing a couple YouTube channels, if one YouTube channel has 50,000 subscribers, but another YouTube channel has 500,000 subscribers, of course, the channel with 500,000 subscribers is those videos are going to have more views. Like you, you would expect that. But if we just look at the average views of like, say their last 10 videos, you know, and we think about, okay, how, how much different was one of these videos compared to the average, then you can kind of compare apples to apples there, right? Like it's, um, and there's a bunch of kind of, uh, flaws with that as well, but, but it's so much better than only looking at views or only looking at subscribers. So now we can see, all right, you know, these are here are a collection of 200 outliers, you know, this, you know, what are the patterns that make these all outliers? So, yeah, so I'm just, I'm looking at, uh, looking at averages and then trying to figure out what are the outliers and then, uh, and then I'm kind of listing them all in, out in the newsletter. Yeah, it's really good. I want people to check it out. Um, I've already gotten a ton of value from it, and I'm, I'm sure that I will continue to as a as a loyal subscriber. And you know, it's always a mark of of how often do you open the newsletter that you're getting. There's certain ones, whether it's you know some of the news ones I follow, it's an everyday thing. And yours is up there. I see it. I I don't always. I'm not able to always able to get to it quickly because I want to really like digest it and process it. But it's a really good one for anyone that's focused on YouTube and doing any sort of marketing. So, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jake, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, if folks want to sign up for the newsletter, learn, learn more about all the things that you're up to and doing, uh, what digital coordinates can we point them towards? Creatorhooks.com. Uh, go sign up for the newsletter there. You also get a free ebook uh, about the 10 viral video elements. And you know, I'm also on Twitter and you can find me there. Uh, after you sign up for the newsletter, there'll be a little, uh, a little plug there. Right on. I'm going to link that in the show notes, going deeperthearing.com slash podcast or in the podcast app. You're probably listening to it right now. But Jake, before we let you go, I would like to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience. Yeah. So personal challenge is make what I call a model 100. So a model 100 is when you, uh, you'll create a spreadsheet and in that spreadsheet, you'll have channel and their link. And this spreadsheet is going to have channels that you look up to that have the same style of content as you, but are in a different industry. So if you have an educational channel, uh, let's say you're in like a physical therapy educational channel, then you would want to have educational channels in real estate and finance, marketing, um, biology, um, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. Uh, educate channels that are have the same style of to- uh, style of content, but different topic, and just you know look at those channels. And, you know, make sure that they're channels that you look up to. Maybe they're getting, you know, more views than you. 
or, and they're like a couple of steps ahead of you. They're not, you know, if you have 5,000 subscribers, make sure you're not looking at channels with like 10 million subscribers. Uh, you know, look for channels that have like, you know, uh, you know, five to five to 20 times more subscribers than you. And just look, uh, you know, make that, make that spreadsheet, make the model 100 and look at those channels, spend some time, you know, every week or whenever you're coming up with ideas and try to see, all right, you know, what videos are popping off and what made them pop off. You know, think about that fear, curiosity, and desire, and, you know, only look at those, uh, those couple channels on your, um, on your, your model 100 and use that for inspiration and, you know, model those, uh, those outliers for your channel. And you're going to get much, much better at writing YouTube titles. Beautiful. And, and really anything. So I mentioned thumbnails earlier here, but those are like the two things that matter to get click through rate. And for us, what we did, which wasn't even like, you know, super niche specific, but we just looked at some of the biggest shows and the biggest channels that we liked and all of them had most way more faces in them and like no text or two words maybe. And then we were looking at our thumbnails and there was like 18 words on a thumbnail and we're like, why are we doing something that all of the biggest channels aren't doing? Like it, it, once again, it's such simple, just remove the errors, remove the unforced errors that you're making. And we saw a, a meaningful lift in our click-through rate after doing that. Um, and one of the other things I was gonna ask you about is going back to old content and trying to revive it or, or fix these errors that you made many years ago. We've seen that with a few thumbnails where uh, we made a thumbnail that was god awful and we changed it to something that just didn't suck candidly and we saw a little bit of a lift do you recommend people doing that with titles thumbnails generally or is that maybe you know spin your wheels a little bit it can definitely work um i've done it successfully for my for my own little dog channel um i've done it successfully for other uh, for other channels that i've worked with but at the same time i've heard uh, from people that I really respect in uh, YouTube that it has not worked as well for them. So they don't do that as much. So I think it depends on you know how much time you have, how much is it going to cost? I think it's definitely worth it uh, if you have the resources to do it. And then also just kind of, uh, you know, like, so you said that you changed some of your thumbnails and you saw a meaningful lift. Everything that we talked about today, like even like the Model 100, studying, uh, studying YouTube, fear, desire, and curiosity, that works in everything, not just YouTube. Uh, I said, I've got a dog blog. I've used those same concepts from YouTube. I've used those in my email subject lines. I've used them for like my like subheads in my blogs. And that has really helped grow my channel. Um, I've even used it like for Twitter threads too. So it's really just studying what works. YouTube makes it super easy for you to study like, you know, good writing, good titles. And then you can just, once you have that skill, you can apply it to anywhere you're creating content online. Beautiful. Uh, Jake, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your wisdom with us and uh, sharing your time. Yeah, Aaron, thank you. We just went deep with Jake Thomas. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of my conversation with Jake. If you are interested in listening to us talk with another YouTube aficionado, head on over to our past conversation with John Shanahan, the founder of the Cavalier YouTube channel and the co-founder and CMO of a company called Strix. In that conversation, we mostly talk about his success on YouTube, but he has parlayed that into a very fast-growing direct-to-consumer retail company that was just on Shark Tank. Lots of folks that come on this show are on a 
really exciting upward trajectory. I'm sure Jake is going to be in a similar boat. So make sure you hit subscribe so you can catch the next shooting star in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.